Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Cassetto! Yay! We've got a great episode for you guys. It is part two of Chicago Rippers! <laughs> yes, um, this one is... Oh boy, when I said more murders, more fun, it's weird to be a accurate about it. There are more murders, and it is very dark, but there are also some of the favorite bits that we have ever said on the show, I think. Um, I had a great time. I had an absolutely amazing time. If you time. forget about the murder, it was really fun. <laughs> That's true about most things. <laughs> it's called compartmentalizing, baby. <laughs> uh, but before that, we have got some news and reviews. <laughs> Uh, first of all, we have a Patreon, which is groundbreaking news. No one ever knew that. Whoa, whoa. You've only been hearing about it for like eight weeks now. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a Patreon. It is uh, at patreon.com slash podcast. For just $5 a month, you get a shout out on the main feed show and access to our um, alternating weekly show, The Speculation Zone. Woo. Yeah, it's uh, full of great bonus content where we're... Basically making just full-on bonus extra episodes of our normal show. And it is a blast, and I love doing it, too. Yeah, so if you want to find out more information about that, like our different tiers and different rewards at each tier, you can go to patreon.com slash cultpodcast, or you can go to cultpodcastshow.com and head over to the Patreon tab. I love how every week we're like, yeah, so bonus episodes like half as long as a oh, it's it's just as long. It's, it's just, just as long. long. <laughs> yeah, they're all hella long. And uh, next we've got another five star review. <laughs> this one comes to us from Single Mama, and she says, "Drinking the Colt Podcast Kool Aid." <gasps> we told you not to do that explicitly, like eight times. How many times have I told you? <laughs> You're embarrassing. I just, <laughs> Paige is playing a fun game she and her family made up called Angry Pageant Dad. <laughs> it's where you it's where you step really close to someone and say mean things in public. Hey uh, guys, can we take a quick break really quick? Uh, thank you. Paige, what the fuck are you doing? I, I You're fucking embarrassing the so podcast. Sorry. You get your ass back on that microphone stage <laughs> and Zumba dance your heart out. <laughs> Put your cowboy boots on, sweetheart. Okay. <laughs> so Single Mama says, I discovered the podcast on accident, and I am so glad I was bored at work that day. I work at an inpatient psych facility, and this podcast gets me through my days when I'm not arguing with doctors, patients, and lawyers. Yikes. Thank you all so much for the laughs and for the great job you all do with your research. Please come to Tennessee. Ooh, we definitely want to come yeah. to Tennessee. Oh, hell yeah. Because we got our friends Horror Virgin out there in Tennessee. Yeah, shout out. out Horror Virgin. If you guys are not listening to Horror Virgin, fucking get on that shit, dude. It's a yeah. great show. They just did Scream 2. Damn. It was really fun. Scream series is one of my all-time favorite series. I fucking love Scream. Um, yeah, so without any further ado... Let's get into the show. Hello. 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 Pick a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drink the cool. 
the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Cassetta! Yay! And it's Armando's week again! Yes! We're back for part two of our series on the Chicago Rippers. Um, man, there's... I Okay. I've said this before and I forgot on what episode... But there needs to be like a term for both tremendously excited and then immediately upset that you're excited about a certain thing. Oh, I don't remember what episode that was. But if there's a word for it, it sounds like it would be German. <laughs> yeah. Karf Plunkty Plunkt. Oh, yeah. Like Here, that. let me Google that. So Karf Plunkty Plunk is actually the German term for being excited when somebody drops food on the floor because then you get to eat it and then being upset that you want to do that. <laughs> And also the Holocaust, apparently. <laughs> so one of my favorite words is actually Elephantenrennen, which is a German word for when two semi trucks are in both lanes of traffic and are slowly passing each other and backing everyone up and pissing everyone that's, off. Yeah, that sounds like. I mean, the word itself sounds like elephant running, and that sounds exactly what yeah. would it be to run into a couple elephants. Exactly, they're just like slow, and you're behind them, and you can't do shit about it. And come it is, on, you fucking elephants! I gotta get to the den. So, how did you learn German? I picked it up in my time in Argentina, don't you know? <laughs> I'm older than I look, eh? Okay, here's the thing. I'm half Italian, half German. I'm just two-thirds of the Axis powers. <laughs> the weirdest part about her is that her mustache only grows in the middle. Of her. <laughs> it's just natural. It's that, that Italian. <laughs> but it's pure blonde, so. <laughs> <laughs> just like he intended. Oh. <laughs> See, that's kerfuffle flunkin' or whatever. You were excited for the joke and then immediately upset that you were excited for the joke. And that's that's how I feel this week with, like, this one, def definitely more murders. Yeah. But yeah. also some of my favorite jokes that I've ever written for when we first did it. And also, like, I've been doing a little bit more research even just to, like, fresh up on it or or pull more from other parts of the story that we didn't cover live. And I've really loved writing this episode. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really excited for it. You guys ready for it? Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right. So previously on Cult Podcast... Robin Gecht, one of the most sick and twisted fucks to ever come out of the Midwest, which is a fucking feat on its own. Because the Midwest gave us people like, Andrea, I'm stealing my grandfather's soul, Gazetta. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so Robin Gecht lived a life full of pain and suffering as he grew up and then decided to inflict that pain and suffering onto others. This ultimately led to the abduction and murder of Linda Sutton. Detective Wilkos with the DuPage County Sheriff's Office was able to... I want to confirm that this isn't Steve Wilkos. It is not. It okay. is actually Steve Wilkos' dad. What? No, no, oh. don't. <laughs> I wish. 
Oh, that would have been amazing. The, okay, here's the thing. Uh, you do you, Andrea? Do you know who Steve Wilkos is? This Never has come met up a him. couple times. So he was formerly a uh, one of the security guards on uh, Jerry Springer. That is correct. And oh. he used to wrangle the topless ladies. Yeah, oh. he's big and bald. Uh, he looks like the guy who played the thing in the Fantastic Four movie. He looks movie. like if Steve Austin decided to get a corporate job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he looks like he keeps companies that make polo shirts in business, specifically black, <laughs> polo, black shirts. polos. Um, so he he was a bodyguard or a security guard on daytime uh, mercenary. Yeah, yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then they he he was they decided to give him his own show, which was a mix between Jerry Springer and Maury, because it's essentially it's just Maury. It's just like you but are he the just father. Screams, at people. but the whole time, yeah, he, uh, he's not, his veins pop out. He's not stopping other people from fighting. He's throwing chairs on yes. his own set. It's the best in the world. So it's W. W Jerry Springer. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah, it's like WW who's the father. <laughs> <laughs> so if it helps, I want you to picture that man. So, I'm going to. So it's like if wrestling, but if all of those men were interested in whether or not they had made a baby. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Exactly. It's like if the rock was like I don't know if you can smell what the rock is cooking, but I smell what you answered on this lie detector test. <laughs> so Detective Steve Wilkos with awesome. the DuPage County Sheriff's Office. No, it's Detective Warren Wilkos with the DuPage County Sheriff's Office. Steve he was, Wilkos Sr. <laughs> he was put on the case, but quickly learned that things were way darker and way more fucked up than he could have possibly imagined. But even with two big bombshells, he struggled to move forward with his investigation. So, we pick up our story a year after we left off in 1982. The sleepy suburban outer ring of Chicago was trying to move on and forget the horrific crime. But it was kind of hard to feel safe when the police hadn't made any progress in the case since learning about Linda Sutton's identity. And in case anyone felt the slightest bit of safety, things in the burbs got shaken up again on May 15th, 1982. Just eight days short of the anniversary of Linda's disappearance, a woman named Lori Borowski went missing from Elmhurst, Illinois. That morning, when the manager of a Remax Realty office... Uh, Red jackets. Yeah. I don't... <sighs> This is one of the things that I'm like proud of and not proud of at the same time is that I spent one entire day finding out what the business was because in every book and documentary it just said a business and I just kept digging and going through articles of you know uh, newspapers and like talking to people and until I found out it was a remix realty and I don't know if you remember this but I like came into the into Andrea's room and was like I found it I found out it was a remix realty and she was like okay. <laughs> are you crazy <laughs> was i asleep like no are you gonna steve wilco's me because <laughs> you came barging in and throwing that information <laughs> like a chair and i'm the father <laughs> just take it out of a manila envelope <laughs> survey says it was a real max reality <laughs> So, uh, the manager of a Remax Realty office arrived to work and realized that the office doors were still locked and the lights hadn't even been turned on yet. And normally, by the time he got there, the place was up and running thanks to his, quote, superstar secretary, Lori Borowski. 
the superpowers women got to have back in the day. <laughs> back in the 80s. <laughs> and with her blazer giving her the powers of filing. <laughs> <laughs> she cuts people using the sharp edges of the pads of in the her pad shoulders. <laughs> Fully articulated, sensible shoes. <laughs> she can leap over tall buildings and type 90 words a minute. Yeah. I don't know if that's a, a lot. Even I don't, a lot. That is, that, okay. it, it's not... I have a coworker that types 120 words a minute. Jesus. Homegirl is fast. It's I can, crazy. I can type a 120 words per minute, but only if the, the word is dick. I can just write dick. Or 69, 69, yeah, 69. That I can only write 69 times because every time I type it, I go, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the fact that Lori hadn't shown up made him a little bit upset, the manager of the Remax Realty. But the fact that she hadn't even called in made him worried so when another employee at the office found Lori's keys and shoes in the parking lot they didn't hesitate to call the police immediately <gasps> not her sensible shoes <laughs> <laughs> that's where her power comes from <laughs> no! no and now just as an aside this part is hella fucked up because jay fletcher interviewed Lori's manager jay fletcher is the author of deadly thrills our main source for this series and the manager went on record saying that it was understandable that a woman would run off and forget her keys, but he knew something had to be wrong because a woman would never willingly leave her shoes behind. Nonsense. I have left shoes behind. Have you ever stepped in like so much dog poop that you're just like, it's over barefoot for life. <laughs> this will never come back into my house. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. You're like, mm, what if the shoes were pink and glittery? You're right. This would pose an ethical dilemma for me. Yeah. Is this a Cinderella thing? Yeah. Like you leave Ooh. one shoe behind. Bitches maybe she's just, be leaving shoes. Maybe she's just trying to find a prince, you know? Except she's find, trying to find two princes because she left two shoes. Yeah. <laughs> she's like double or nothing. Going to get better chances. Yeah. The results sense. are in. She is the princess. <laughs> and then he just throws a, a throne, I guess. I was just gonna, the results are in athlete's foot. <laughs> Surprising. Not really. Not really. And let's take it from our sponsor, Tough Actor to Act. <laughs> so the police immediately treated Lori's disappearance as a possible abduction. However, like the case of Linda Sutton, there just wasn't much to go on. And after a few days, they were only able to scrounge up two leads. The first lead they checked up on was the owner of a liquor store in the same parking lot as the Remax Realty office because you got to buy champagne somewhere when you close that deal, I guess. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. The owner told police that on the... <laughs> or malt liquor. <laughs> Oh my god, I want just a bunch of realtors just cheering King Cobra. Just in the bags. <laughs> we did it. Drink to our success. It hurts. Boss, this just tastes like beer with chocolate syrup in it. I said drink. Anaconda malt liquor gives you ooh. <laughs> So the owner of the liquor store told police that on the morning of the 15th, he had seen a man forcing a woman who matched Lori's description into the back of a gray car. And when asked why he didn't report this incident much sooner, he told police that he figured it was just a domestic dispute and that he didn't want to butt in on someone else's business. Call the cops. <laughs> oh, my God. 
No, it's like a it's like a three week rule. Like if she was your girl and then she leaves, you can kidnap her for a little bit and it's fine. <laughs> it's like the third the thirty second rule for food on the floor. Oh my god! Wait, wait I'm sorry. You let food sit on the floor for thirty seconds? At that wait, point, what's the rule? At that point, you, there's only two options. If you drop food on the floor for thirty seconds, you're either you dropped it and you're just staring at it. <laughs> yeah, you're just yeah. going, oh, 28, 29. 30 or you lost the food and you have to look for it through a mountain of shit in fairness we have a dog in our house so i haven't seen food on the floor for more than 30 seconds in years (laughs) yeah (laughs) and when she says that she's talking about me she's calling me quite the dog just walk along the floor dragging your tongue catching (laughs) all the crumbs it's cheaper than a vacuum That's what my parents' dog does. Just kind of just like, we are not even eating right now. Like a furry Roomba that leaves behind a trail of fur? Yeah, 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 basically. Yeah, but I don't don't understand this fucking thought process of just like, yeah, I saw somebody getting taken by a car, looked like it was by force, but like, I'm not going to step in. That's not my business. Probably did something stupid, like forget a fucking shoes somewhere. What, you want me to help a woman in need? What am I, that cokehead Spider-Man from the Moonlit Motel? <laughs> I ain't doing this shit. It's just, I don't know. If you see something, just say something. Yeah. To a police officer. Preferably. Just whoever. Not just like out loud to yourself. <laughs> not just like, that was weird. <laughs> and then Just opening, opening up the window and just being like, hey, I saw some weird shit today. <laughs> I believe in the secret. Just release it to you. <laughs> I'm just like, I saw somebody get kidnapped, maybe. I wasn't going to say anything. Done my part. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but then I read this book, Eat, Pray, Call the Cops When You See a Woman Getting Abducted. <laughs> <laughs> really changed my life. Praise God for the dome. <laughs> you know, she forgot her shoes. She was maybe probably kidnapped. <laughs> Unfortunately, the liquor store owner couldn't remember anything other than the color of the car and a general description of the woman who it was abducted. And normally, this would be a dead end. But luckily, the Elmhurst Police Department had an ace up their sleeve. They brought in Detective Milner, who in addition to being a law enforcement agent, was also a certified hypnotist. Yes. Wow. It does not get any more concrete and evidence-based than that. (laughs) (laughs) You think that's good? My background is in lie detector tests. Equally as dubious. Hey, Milner, we need your special skills. Let oh, me... shit. Is it a crime or a birthday party? Because I'm really looking <laughs> to branch out. I've got this quarter on a string. Let me just hang it. Okay. You are the father. <laughs> Get your tarot cards out of here. That's whack science. Now follow this coin. Hey, you guys remember last week when I made a guy think he was a chicken and then admit to killing all those women? <laughs> that shit was fucking funny. It was KFC and it was heart disease. (laughs) (laughs) So while Detective Hypnotist, which, by the way, is a brand new show premiering Tuesdays on USA. (laughs) USA, characters welcome. What happened to A? What is it? A&E? A&E? Yeah, well, A&E never called me back when I pitched them Gator Justice. So. Oh, my gosh. Also, it fits on USA. USA's entire like lineup of shows is what if there was a cop? But hold on. There's another element. Yes. No, he's absolutely. What if there was a cop that was also a singer or also an Egyptian goddess reincarnated? (laughs) 
that's like their entire thing. That's fantastic. So while Detective Hypnotist, Tuesdays on USA, worked over the owner of the liquor store, other officers looked into a second lead, one that meshed well with the new information they got from the abduction. Another man had reported seeing a gray car in the parking lot of another nearby liquor store because this is Chicago and the city is 80% liquor stores. Accurate. It helps thaw the ice in your body. <laughs> Duh, beers. <laughs> hey, John, when you're done salting the street, you mind putting it on the rim of my margarita? I gotta get to work. <laughs> and I can't do it sober. Oh, God, I've created such a sad character. This is Chicago. <laughs> Duh, pression. Anyway. <laughs> So the man at the other liquor store mentioned that he saw a car, a gray car, in the parking lot. Uh, and while he passed the car, he heard loud banging coming from inside of the trunk, almost as if there was someone inside trying to get out. Oh, no. Um, That's not where you put a baby on a hot day. No. <laughs> And as we've definitely learned from watching multiple hours of Drew Paul's Drag Race, if there's something trapped inside, honey, it's going to come out. Yes. Oh. Yes. Mm -hmm. Some of us get to choose our family. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sometimes it's a sequined, beautiful, non-binary queen. And sometimes it's a dead body. But it's that's still a pretty good rate. That's still a pretty good rate. A trunk reveal? <laughs> Girl. <laughs> I want it so bad now. Um, <laughs> I just see like she's in a car outfit and then she opens the trunk and it's another human. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm picturing her in the mirror beforehand where she's like, I'm serving abduction realness. <laughs> now, as you can see, I have no shoes because that's how you know a woman was abducted. And then the other queens are just like, is she about to walk the runway with no shoes? Where's your drag mother? <laughs> If anyone can pull it off, it's Evie Oddly, for sure. She can do no wrong. I love her so also much. Also, Nia West. Ooh. Nina West. I just, go big, go I West. just named a Pokemon after Evie Oddly. I'll put it in the Facebook group. It's yeah. very funny. I'm I did. It's a very, very it. was a very pointy rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Paige talks about Pokemon. I don't understand what they are. So. <laughs> I like that fire lizard, what did turn into a fire dragon. When you, when you texted me a picture of that Pokemon, I'm pretty sure I texted back, I don't know what this pointy rabbit is, but I'm here for it. <laughs> you guys seen That's that turtle tank? I wanted. <laughs> Shit's great. Anyway, so when the man investigated the trunk of the car, four Hispanic men walked out of the liquor store and reportedly gave the onlooker a dirty look. Again, this was a white guy. is 80s Chicago. It could have just been a regular look, and they were Hispanic. Um, it's kind of hard to determine. Discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I got another one on deck for later. Let's oh see what comes God. up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, after that, the four men got into their car and quickly drove off. However, the Good Samaritan was able to jot down the car's license plate as it drove off. Elmhurst PD was able to track the car down to the home of a Hispanic man who fit the description given to them by the witness. And when police asked the man what he had been up to the morning of May 15th, he just seemed really fucking confused. And then when an officer outright accused him of kidnapping Lori Borowski and stuffing her in the back of his car, 
he started laughing in the police officers' faces. And through fits of giggles, he explained that it hadn't been a woman in his truck. It was a live goat that he had bought for a barbecue he was hosting that night. Mm-hmm. Delicious. <laughs> it's right there. That wasn't the one I was planning. There's still another one on deck. Oh, suspense is killing me. <laughs> he even let the police search his car and run tests on the hair they found in the trunk. And this is real. They found hair in the trunk and were like, we got to send this to the lab. And almost immediately, the tests they ran concluded that the hair did not belong to Lori or a woman or a human, it belonged to a fucking goat. <laughs> I like to think that they didn't even have to run a test. They just looked at it and went, there's a fucking goat hair, man. Did you get this from Randall's barbecue? That was a delicious meal. <laughs> uh, as horrific as the crimes are, the case of Lori Borowski is filled with dumb shit like this because people who lived in a quiet suburbia were not used to anything like this happening to them. They were so afraid that they began reporting anything even remotely suspicious to the police. And that's why you have shit happening like the woman who reported that she saw a homeless person wandering the streets and she knew that it had to be Lori, despite the fact that for that to be true, Lori Borowski would have had to have gained 80 pounds in a single week and dyed their hair color. Which, I'm not a doctor, but I don't think that's in, that's possible. No. We've all been through breakups. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, there. we've all been to a jack-in-the-box. That's how I feel. <laughs> I've left jack-in-the-box being like, I'm 80 pounds heavier, and also, is my hair blonde? <laughs> uh, or the Elmhurst resident who suspected his 19-year-old neighbor of murdering Lori because he was too aggressive and heavily involved in the dark craft of karate. <laughs> Karate. <laughs> so funny because this poor kid is just an anime nerd with a lot of sexual frustration. He is <laughs> just picturing him ninja running away from the crime scene. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when he runs like that, he looks a lot like a gray car. Mm. <laughs> I like. I also like the fact that he's 19 years old and doing karate, which means that he has to drive himself to <laughs> go to karate. <laughs> you shouldn't. If you're in karate, a parent should be taking you, and you should be lifting up the pot of noodles and dropping the pot chi. of noodles. Is that? Yes. I went to a karate class when I was a kid. I've talked about it before, no doubt. Yeah, I went to a karate you class. To beat the shit out of a kid, right? Yeah. And then they don't even let you fight. And also, they only gave. They didn't even give me a white belt. They didn't give me any belt. And then I brought Didn't a belt. Have it in your size, I think. Probably. No, they said you had to earn a belt. And so I brought a belt, but like just a normal belt. And I put it around my outfit and they told me that wasn't allowed. And then I stopped going. <laughs> so you know what? The more that I talk about it, maybe I'm just jealous of this guy for going to karate. What's their policy on ladders? Uh, <laughs> it's not Crouching Tiger, but it definitely is uh, Hyper Armando. <laughs> Just crouching tiger hidden ladder. <laughs> <laughs> I earned myself a metal belt that day. <laughs> and so because of shit like this, it's it's the flip side of what we're trying to stop, which is that if people report anything suspicious, 
it just kind of clouds up. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way for them to find anything useful when they're forced to follow up on all of these very dumb and very improbable theories. And because of it, this case started to go cold too. It's, it's just stupid shit where like it clouds up everything and it doesn't make any sense if you think about it logically for a second, except for the fact that everyone who does karate is devil, is a devil. They're the devil. What? It's a dark craft and it should be banned. You're just jealous. Lift the pot, let the pot go. You haven't been letting the pot go in years. What <laughs> That's why you failed out of karate. You couldn't let the pot go. Lift, lift the pot. Hold it in. <laughs> Don't be a bitch fool. Come on. And let the pot go. It wasn't until five months later that Lori's body was discovered, abused and heavily mutilated in a nearby cemetery. The autopsy report told a horrifying tale of torture and pain. The body had also decomposed quicker than usual due to two large gashes on the victim's breasts. And Lori Borowski wasn't the only case of a woman going missing and being discovered horribly mutilated. After Lori, there was the case of Shoy Mack from Lombard, who had been kidnapped, raped, murdered, and then found with both of her breasts removed. Mm. Or Rose Davis from Broadview, who was found so unrecognizable that police initially guessed that she had jumped to her death before they noticed the man-made cuts and marks all around her body, specifically those around her breasts. And in hindsight, it's easy for us to see the similarities in all of these cases. But in the 1980s, communication between different departments and law enforcement was limited and jurisdictions were a hard line that made investigating similar cases insanely difficult unless they happened in the same location. And on top of all of that, the the entirety of serial killers as a whole is just kind of a new concept at this time. There's really no protocol for how to go forward with it. And even if there was... Linda Sutton was a young black sex worker. Shoy Mack was a Chinese immigrant who worked at her parents' restaurant. Rose Davis was a uh, a white uh, marketing executive. Most of these women don't share a lot of commonality in what they look like or where they live or where they're found or what they do. So even if there was protocol, it's extremely difficult to, to see a pattern in who they were trying to abduct. Yeah, the only pattern is that they're all deceased. <laughs> oh, my God. Paige. God. Oh, so no. Sorry. And I've got a manila envelope here, and it says, that was the joke. <laughs> oh, no. That's so good. It's a bad one. <laughs> it's a clapping for the room. Uh, <laughs> and again... To add another layer of complexity to the entire thing, these missing women weren't making national headlines because America was far more worried about another string of murders taking place at the exact same time, the Chicago Tylenol murders. In 1982, seven people died after taking Tylenol that had been laced with potassium cyanide. Someone was taking bottles of the -the over-the-counter drug poisoning them, and then returning to the stores and putting them back on the shelves. 
And this sent the country into a panic, and most law enforcement agencies were busy trying to find a culprit, something that they have still never successfully or at least officially done, by the way. Yeah, there's some interesting theories, but there nobody's are. ever proven it. There was, yeah. I mean, there was one guy who like wrote a letter that was like, if you give me a million dollars, I'll stop the Chicago Tylenol murders, but they didn't find any actual evidence to suggest that he did it. He still went to jail, by the way, because what he did is super illegal yeah but um he they they found that there wasn't at least there wasn't enough evidence to convict him of you know the mm. chicago tylenol murders um there was also a string of copycat murders that mm. were inspired by it so it was just a huge like i mean it's the reason we have fucking tamper-proof bottles today yeah you know it's because somebody was fucking going there methodically picking them out taking them and I'd love to do a speculation zone episode on it, maybe, just mm -hmm. because it's a super fucking interesting story. Yeah, for sure. Um, my guess is competitors. That's actually, I think, one of my favorite theories about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my favorite theory was that it was Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> <laughs> but in the early hours of October fifth, nineteen eighty-two, the Chicago Rippers struck again. Beverly Washington was working as a sex worker in the Wicker Park area of Chicago, which is about three miles away from Wrigley Field. Around 2 a.m., a red van pulled over, and the driver asked Beverly what her price was, and she told the man $20, and he responded by saying that he was willing to pay $25. Ooh. Yeah. In hindsight, Beverly's friends in the business said that this should have been a huge red flag. There's... I mean, in almost any industry... No if, one wants to pay more for the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if you give a given price and somebody's like, well, I'm willing to pay more. That doesn't normally happen. Or if it does, there's something else going on. And at the time, apparently... Things weren't going great for Beverly, and she just really needed to make some money. And then again, on top of that, it's kind of what I talked about uh, just a couple of minutes ago, maybe even just one minute ago, of how all of the victims are different and completely, you know, they're just kind of all over the place. Some of them are, you know, sex workers by majority, but uh, past that, they're different areas, different backgrounds. So she had no reason to believe that she, in particular, was a target for you know this kind of thing she had so she decided to run the risk and go along in the van she joined the man and he drove the two of them to an industrial part of town that was abandoned this early in the morning and they parked along the road and the driver suggested that they move to the back of the van so that they could have more room the van's back walls were covered in shelves filled with paint tools and other equipment Beverly was about to ask the man what he did for a living, but when she turned around, he was pointing a pistol in her face. At gunpoint, he forced her to put on handcuffs, just like the nickel-plated handcuffs that they found on Linda Sutton, and she was forced to swallow 15 different pills. The last thing Beverly saw before she blacked out was her captor coming closer, holding two new tools, a roll of yellow tape and a butcher's knife. The body of Beverly Washington was found hours later on the same day in an alley not far from where the van had been parked. She had been beaten, abused, and her left breast had been completely removed. Oh, God. And yet, by some miracle, Beverly Washington survived. And when she came to in her hospital room, she gave the eagerly awaiting Area 5 police two descriptions. The first one was of a red van with a wooden partition and shelves in the back 
that anyone could identify by the signature roach clip with white and blue feathers hanging from the rearview mirror. The other was of the driver. Beverly described the man who had abducted her as a shifty, skinny white man with greasy hair and awful facial hair. The description was spread across the department and all officers in Area 5 were keeping an eye out. So they knew they were looking for a skinny little white stoner riding around in a van trying to feed an evil, insatiable appetite. So, of course, the cops were able to bring in somebody who fit that exact description. Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> like, zoink, Scoob, you think you could take the rap for me on this one? Oh, I can't do five to life. Would you do it for two Scooby Snacks? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. He just Scooby snapped. <laughs> I'm oh so sorry. Oh my god. I'm so sorry. I'm just picturing him like getting to the jail cell and then just like pulling off his mask and being like, old man Smithers <laughs> every episode. Uh first of all, my client would like to say that he um denies all of the allegations. Um secondly, and he was very clear about this, he wanted to say um zoinks. So thank you. <laughs> we will not be answering any questions. Please have a good day. Thank you. <laughs> um but just 15 days later, on October 20th, Area 5 police found a van that matched Beverly's exact description. So now we're going to try and switch it up a little bit like we are watching a show on USA <laughs> and kind of see a little bit uh, from the other side, which is something that I'm kind of trying to do to show you both sides. We don't normally show you uh, the police searching for it, but it's so pertinent to the story, it kind of needs to be included. So during the fall of 1982, I mean the season, not like when the year was taken down or something. <laughs> Um, during the fall of 1982, things were going pretty well for Robin Gecht. His company, R&R Electrical, was picking up new jobs left and right. He was even officially able to bring in a few employees. Two 21-year-old kids named Eddie Spritzer and Andy Cocorileus, and occasionally Andy's older brother, Tommy Cocorileus, except uh, Tommy was... Um, a little bit slow so they more often referred to him as andy's little brother uh and kept him around mostly for kind of grunt work stuff so he kind of you know passes in and out of the group uh by seemingly just how much they need him at the time and now i want to take a second to acknowledge the fact that the chicago rippers are unlike most cults that we cover on the show normally so generally we see two types of cults. Usually we see religious-based groups and movement-based groups. Religious-based groups often follow a leader that they regard as some sort of savior, like the Messiah or a prophet or an all-knowing guru or Chester Cheetah. You know, people who have <laughs> all of the answers that give off a godlike feel. Chester what? has all of my answers. The answer is cheese. The question mm. is how often, when... How many can I have? I love a company that judges how much cheese they should put in something, not by cups or ounces, but by cheesy blasts. That's yes. really how you should be measuring cheese. How much blasts of it? It you sounds like an illness. Blasters. Sorry. <laughs> Every time we hear cheesy blasts, it just sounds like a, a horrible illness. Cheese. <laughs> It sounds like they just put Cheetos in a shotgun and then <laughs> shot at a bag. You it want is. Cheetos? Here's some Cheetos. <laughs> it's it's my favorite 30 Rock bit is Cheesy Blasters. So some some most groups that we cover are religious-based groups, which cover, you know, like I said, messiahs, prophets, all-knowing gurus, or holy 
animal cats on a skateboard yeah, exactly. bringing cheesy blasters to the children all i'm saying is look into it follow the money yeah um hallie burton <laughs> this joke is be is quickly becoming a hallie burden on my soul <laughs> follow the money to the mall where she goes shopping <laughs> so this includes groups like the moonies heaven's gate or even massive groups like some forms of mormonism or scientology and i guess that those last two are a little controversial and not necessarily proven as cults and we no, are not scientology is fully a cult yeah well that's our opinion on it and come find me Sorry, yeah, it's it's my opinion. So is Leah Remini's opinion and like many scholars. And it's yeah, it's also my personal opinion too. Scientology is a lie, all hail the magic cheetah in the sky. So <laughs> then you've got Praise God for the dome. <laughs> <laughs> Praise Chester for the dome. <laughs> Praise Chester for the dome. We are actually not living in a dome, but instead in the top of a bag of chips. <laughs> That's why we have earthquakes, because the mantle of the earth is so crunchy exactly. and delicious. Exactly. Like Doritos. That's how they explained it to us when it was when we were kids. Like, if you smash Doritos together, they'll break. That's how they explained earthquakes to us. Oh, my what? God. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is why I'm never sending my children to public school. <laughs> like, I, I will straight up not have kids to prevent unborn kids going you, to public school. What are you talking about? Have you Did you guys not read your science books brought to you by Cheesy Blasted Doritos? <laughs> How did you guys get extreme knowledge? <laughs> anyway. I had to kickflip over a science book, and that's how I gained my extreme knowledge. <laughs> Are you guys going to Radical. a cool ranch English class? <laughs> no, I'm going to go to sour cream and onion physics. <laughs> For some reason, I have ketch ketchup history. I don't. Ugh, you got one of those Canadian books. <laughs> And then after religious groups, you have groups that are uh, movement based. And these are groups where the cause for the existence of the group is more important than one singular leader. Oh, I thought you meant it was like yoga or something. <laughs> Zumba. <laughs> yeah. Zumba's a cult. Is it? No. no. I mean, there's a lot of all dancing in one room around this one dude on a podium. But mm, like, let's mm, not look into mm. it too much. That sounds like reverse stripping. <laughs> just one guy's up there like yes and everyone else is like yeah it's a lot of like yeah. middle-aged women in like coin belts so they jingle again they... that's like reverse stripping yeah, a little bit the way it's supposed to be is one person dances on a stage and everyone else watches not one person stands on a stage well, and everyone else the guy dances. on the stage is also dancing Hell yeah. i don't know if you've ever seen zumba videos it's a hoot <laughs> I don't know if I don't even like to. I'm so big, I don't even like to think about exercise. It's right up there with the shake weight video. Oh, God, I love those. <laughs> so, here you have groups like the Bundy family, the Klan, and uh, a lot of other types of racist or hateful organizations. You know, it's, it's uh, the defining feature is that it doesn't matter who's leader, they'll always replace the leader if they go down, you know. Uh, but every once in a while, you get a group like the Rippers a cult that follows the influence of a singular leader who does not claim to be God, who does not claim to give you superpowers, or even, they don't even claim to have a definitive end coming. The sole purpose of these groups is just to please the leader. And this is where we have the Manson family, Rod Farrell's vampire clan, uh, and even most recently, Terry Hoffman. 
Terry Hoffman, but then also uh, what's his butt? Archie um, McCaffrey. Archie McCaffrey. Yeah, you have like I said, they're not they're not non-existent on the show, but they are few and far between. Yeah, they're just they're they're slightly less common because sometimes you don't even know about them. They just kind of go out in a ball of fire and mm-hmm. only take out themselves. Well, these ones too, like this this style of cult leader is also interesting because in a lot of the ones we study, they're sharing a delusion that they also believe to some extent. But in this version, it's really just a psych psychopath like well, they're just manipulating others and whoever they can manipulate to get what they want that's what they're doing i would argue that ma- the majority of these groups are actually people who are bullshitters like i mean archie McCafferty, he genuinely believed that shit well yeah he was also on a ton of pcp a ton of PCP. oh that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah yeah which is the least good flavor of cheeto you guys ever try pcp, <laughs> PCP. sorry cool PC- pcp <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say PCP dose. Is oh God, cool, no! Is cool PCP the PCP that wears sunglasses? PCP dose sounds awful because it sounds like a pedophile who's like really chill about the way things are going. <laughs> hey, hey, that's child attracted person. To, it's like a PCP. Yeah, I get it. That was also uh, a bit. We're not defending anyone. No, we never would. Um, but yeah, Archie McCafferty mm-hmm. for sure. He did that shit. He believed that shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. I I, uh, I think Manson just wanted to get his dick wet and yeah. do drugs as much well, as no, possible. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying this type. I'm saying the other types of leaders, like the oh, other brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they have like a brand of bullshit that to some extent they're peddling, but also a lot of them believe it Yeah, they start in to some believe way. in their own. But yeah. yeah, but what I'm saying is like, like Manson, like this brand of leader, like they're just in it for whatever they can get. Yeah. And they want to ride it hard and fast into the ground. Like they don't give a shit if everyone perishes. Like yeah. they just want to get theirs. They want to ride it hard and fast, like a nice butt or a dune buggy. <laughs> <laughs> or a vision of their child dancing on a grave. <laughs> if we're oh, going to pull from God. Archie McCaffrey. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, a grown man that he knows is his child. <laughs> I would. Delusion. I would then completely agree with you because even like um groups like the moonies or happy science um you know shit like that like it starts out with people who are really bullshitting but eventually along the way they get so good at bullshitting that they trick themselves into believing believing it it. yeah Yeah. because and it's also like the echo chamber thing they feel empowered by all the voices around them acknowledging and confirming what they're saying and then they're like oh i am god yeah they're literally thinking to themselves like how could all of these people be wrong yeah you know even though i told them yeah exactly (laughs) even though they learned it from my anime Those laser cats, man. Oh my god, oh, they're so fucking so great. They're so fighting dinosaurs and shit. I know. I'm really upset that this is all in the service of this ridiculous cult because the animation is pretty dope. Honestly, I, if you're listening to this, why did my, why would I? Of course, you're listening. If you're hearing this, obviously, if you would like us to do, and this is something I've considered in the past, and something that we may actually be able to make work. If you would be interested in us doing a. Uh, mystery science theater 3000 viewing of the <gasps> of a happy science anime particularly the first one can we also watch pervert mask yes What's that? 
That was the actress from Happy Science. Yes. It's like their version of Deadpool. Yeah, it was in a series called Pervert Mask. I want to see this. I'm very interested. For sure, Happy Science. I don't know the legalities of the other movie because that was like a legit movie. Yeah. But definitely Happy Science anime. If you want to see it, get at us. Let us know. So, getting back to it, I would agree with you, Andrea, wholeheartedly that that is completely what's happening. The other key characteristic of these groups and like i said manson uh archie mccafferty rod farrell terry hoffman these are the most dangerous and deadly cults most of the time you don't have the big death numbers like jonestown but that like there's fewer people involved and more of them die so the percentage wise they kill more people that come in contact with them than those other big cults i mean in jonestown's defense they killed like 96 percent okay yeah jonestown Jonestown may have been uh like a a, a worse outlier yeah yeah. that was that was not like i mean heaven's gate had eventually at one point like thousands of followers and then 32 of them uh died which is still horrific yeah but I think in a lot of groups we covered, the leaders want to keep their power and all their followers are the source of that power. So in some ways, they want to protect their followers to some extent. Whereas I would argue that this type of group, they don't see their like their followers are just objects to be used at their convenience, you know, to a a more of an extent than in, in some of the other types of groups we cover. That is an interesting like I, I think we're all we all knew, you know, the the basis of it, but I did not consider that as like yeah. a mechanic for that. No, that makes a lot of that sense. Happening. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I hadn't considered that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Just listening. You get a gold star. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, so while Robin's follower count was only officially at three members, those three employees, Eddie Spritzer, Andy Cocorileas, and Tommy Cocorileas, he had complete and total control over the lives of these three men. As we mentioned last week, Robin's employees worked and lived with Robin. That means that he has com- like you are absolutely dependent on him for everything. Creepy. It is well, t- additionally, just like his old living arrangement with Thomas Farley, each of these young men were also in a sexual relationship with Robin. And at times he would even choose his favorite and give them special privileges that the others wouldn't have, which kept everyone else vying for his attention at all times. Which is what he wanted. He wanted. He didn't want them to hang out with each other. He wanted them all to kind of want him. Yeah, he, I mean... N- Okay, not necessarily that he doesn't not want them to hang out, because two of them are brothers. Oh, for sure. But I understand what you mean, because he he the 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 way that he wants it to be is that they wouldn't necessarily hang out as a group, and he's like the glue that ties them together, mm-hmm. which is that is yeah, it's yeah. completely true. So, if there was one thing that Robin was a fucking master at, it was getting all types of different people to do all types of weird weird shit and to just trust him in general aside from getting three men to agree to live with him in like a really really dark mtv's real world situation uh he had also convinced more than one older single client of his to remortgage their homes and give him the money and 
he had even met and befriended a Chicago police officer and was helping the man to renovate his home while these murders were happening. And the cops said that in more than one instance, he had even trusted Robin Geck to watch his home and babysit his children. No. Hey, honey, I ordered a really cool clown from our child's birthday. Uh, Pogo? I don't know, but it seems like it'd be great. Ooh. You know what I mean? Should have gotten a hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> if you want one, I know a cop who would be fucking great. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Uh, apparently, this is another part, uh, which is apparently really goddamn relevant. The reason Robin was so good at getting to people to do what he wanted was because Robin was supposedly a trained hypnotist. <gasps> How many goddamn hypnotists are in this? Yeah, you know that fact just had to fucking piss off detective hypnotist, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just gotta be like, we got. I don't care if he murdered anyone, we gotta put him away. Do you know how hard it is to break into the hypnotist scene? Now it's not a hypnotist, it's like an HBO drama where it's like <laughs> hypnotist versus hypnotist. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. What's that movie, or it might even be a Heat. show, about there's two brothers and one's a, a cop and one's a criminal? You guys know what I'm talking about? Is it on AMC? Maybe. I, I think it's based on a real story, but I can't remember. I want to see the reboot of that where there's two hypnotists and one of them's a cop and one of them's <laughs> a criminal. Also, this is fucking... At this point in the story, what what this story is telling me is that Chicago is 80% liquor stores and 20% children's Hypnotist. birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> People. <laughs> But everyone has a point where what you're asking goes beyond what they're willing to do. For each person, this place is different. But as 1981 came to a close, which we covered last week, most of Robin's lovers had refused to let him cut them or their breasts. So Robin began taking what he wanted. And since the first murder, Robin and his three cronies had been very busy. They had kidnapped and killed Lori Borowski. They had kidnapped and killed Shoy Mack, Rose Davis, and a few other unnamed women, or women who were not named publicly, at least. And in an almost seemingly unrelated incident, Robin and the boys killed a man named Rafael Tirado in a drive-by shooting because Robin felt like killing a black man, despite the fact that Rafael was Hispanic. What? This one wasn't even related to anything. He was driving by, saw a dude at a payphone, and then went, watch this, and took a gun and out of the window and shot him so dead. So he's just a complete psychopath. Just a complete, just a complete, yeah. What? Yeah. I'm I mean, sorry that this like, was the point where you were like, no, yeah, he's but crazy. It's like when he was cutting off tits, I was like, <laughs> I get it. But then when he shot a guy. But there's, I mean, I think what's crazy for me is like, there's not even. We're reaching like American psycho levels of like yeah, doing he's fucked just up shit. Yeah, he's totally building. Yeah. Because like in the beginning, there's some type of sexual gratification for him or that at comes least, from this. At least how, however fucked up, there is a rhyme and reason to the rest. Yeah. yeah. But, but then, like, is, he's yeah, he's definitely going full American Psycho. Yeah, this is just so, like, off the... Like, this is at the ATM, please insert a live kitten level of, like, what the fuck is happening? That's my least favorite part of that That's movie. a rough part. Because That's I a rough part. Kittens. Yeah, kittens are... No one, no one... Nothing bad should ever happen to a kitten. 
And all of this ramping up culminated in the kidnapping and attempted murder of Beverly Washington. And 15 days after that, Robin's good time was about to come to an end. Area 5 officers found a van that matched Beverly's description exactly and pulled it over. The driver was Eddie Spritzer, Robin's employee, who was running errands for his boss and currently enjoying his status as Robin's favorite. When the cops asked him where they could find his boss, Eddie let it slip that he was actually on his way back to a work site where Robin was right now. So the two officers told Eddie to drive the van back and that they'd follow him there. It was clear that Eddie was nervous as shit and was driving became more erratic the closer they got to the work site. And when they reached the home that was under renovation, Eddie sprung out of the van and ran inside to get his boss before the police could even exit their squad car. Which, that's the most suspicious, right? Like, yeah. that is the most suspicious way to possibly do that. Walk. Don't run. It's like around the pool, but the cops. Exactly. No, for lawyers. The cops don't care. The cops want you to be guilty. Oh, that's well, true. Well, not necessarily want you to be guilty, but they want to catch the guilty person. Yeah, for sure. Um, some of them. Um, as the officer stood out front near the driveway, a skinny, greasy-haired white dude came outside and introduced himself. Wearing a big smile and having an aura of friendliness, he introduced himself as Robin Gecht. And when the officers asked Robin and Eddie to join them down at the station, they were astounded when the man gladly agreed to come with them. Down at Area 5's police station, detectives questioned Robin, and all they found was a nice, calm, and collected handyman who was both happy to help and was even personal friends with a few officers in the department, having renovated their homes or hung out with them at parties or fucking babysat their children. What the fuck? Ooh, this is some Ed Kemper shit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. full on. Yeah. Hey, Milner, remember last night when I made your wife think she was a chicken? That shit was funny. And he's looking, sitting there being like, I used to make her think she was a chicken. (laughs) Because he's also a hypnotist. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Women can't be chickens. The chicks, am I right? Hey! Oh, 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 I get ah, no respect. No respect. Birds. (laughs) (laughs) Da, birds. Da, birds. And those officers told detectives that there was no way that Robin could be their guy. He literally was in the place with his friends. And they were like, ah, Robin? Nah, no fucking way. That guy loves the bears. There's no way he could ever murder. There's no way somebody really into sports could do anything violent at any point. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like. I feel like that was sarcasm. Yeah, it was. By the way, if you guys have any dogs you're wanting to get rid of, my friend Michael, he's uh, really looking for Armando. some. Armando. Okay, friends is a hard word. We used to be on the Eagles together. It's a <laughs> whole thing. Well, don't give them to Robin. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. He'll get them pregnant. Oh, God. Barefoot and pregnant the way dogs are supposed to be. <laughs> They're always barefoot. Can you imagine Robin? No, they're not. Have you seen the dogs with the footies? Oh, God. I have, but that's not their natural state. Can you imagine Robin Gecht on the Steve Wilco show? And he's just holding a manila folder. <laughs> and he goes, now, Robin, before I open this up, I got to explain some science shit to you real quick. <laughs> that baby don't even have my ears. I don't think I have to open this envelope to tell you that you're not the father. But just <laughs> let's just go down. Okay. So the thing about species is... <laughs> This is a dog with people <laughs> on its faces. He has a whole chart, but he doesn't have a laser pointer. He just throws chairs at the part you're supposed to pay attention to. 
And then he calls on the audience and like, man, if you knew it was a dog, why was you stepping out on your wife like that? <laughs> Steve Wilkos will return right now. I'm mostly <laughs> just impressed with Steve Wilkos aim, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they realized that there was no way that Robin was going to give up that easily. But Eddie Spritzer, who also came down to the station, his interview told a different story. Fairly quickly, it became clear that Eddie wasn't just nervous. He was fucking terrified, but not of the detectives. He was afraid of what Robin would do to him if he found out that he told the officers anything about Robin's life. And it was clear to detectives that Robin was hiding something, and whatever it was, little Eddie Spritzer was definitely in on it too. But without enough evidence and with nothing giving during the interviews, Robin and his scared employee were able to be let go. No. So just like in the first case, investigating this crime was becoming increasingly difficult. But what edge did the police have when looking into the Rippers? The power of friendship. And this time I don't mean it as a joke. It sounds like a weird, really like really weird place for a joke. But last week we covered Detective Warren Wilkos's investigation into the death of Linda Sutton. And how his first break was when a friend of his who worked as an Area 5 detective told him that his victim was likely a, Chica- a sh- Chicago. Chicago. A, sh- a Chicago. You're falling straight into it, baby. God damn it. She was likely a Chicago sex worker. And this was because of the so- uh, the money in the sock trick. Remember Mar- Mailbox Maryland, all of that shit. So that Area 5 friend made sure that Detective Wilkos was the first person he called to talk to about an almost identical case and together the detectives were able to compare notes and organize a plan to catch Robin Gecht. And during the time that all of this shit had been happening, Detective Wilkos had stayed on the case and even had a new breakthrough. He had heard stories of a group of weirdos who had been visiting Rip Van Winkle Motel in Villa Park. Because apparently all of the Villa Park motels are named after fucking folk tales. I don't know why, but I cannot wait to stay at Pied Piper's Premium Suites or Goldilocks Three Beds and Three Breakfasts. <laughs> that one's my favorite one. I, it's, it's not the funniest joke I've ever said, but it is the cutest. It's very cute. Goldilocks Three Beds and Three Breakfasts. One of them is just right. And we only got three rooms in the middle of the night. A woman sneaks into your room and she tries all of your beds. And if she finds that yours is just right, you get checked out forever. Goldilocks on USA. Yikes. Characters welcome. This got dark fast. Mm-hmm. Apparently, at the Rip Van Winkle Motel, four men had been known to frequent the place over the months before Linda's murder. The manager of the Rip Van Winkle Motel described the men as party animals who would come and rent adjoining rooms, bringing over women and then drinking and smoking until the early hours of the morning. But he also had one key piece of evidence detectives were not expecting. According to the motel manager, the four men belonged to some kind of cult. He recalled motel staff telling him about all kinds of weird altars and sacred objects being left behind after the men would leave, some of which seemed to have come from flesh. Mm, what? 
Yeah. But Detective Wilco's big break came when the manager was able to give him a way to find these men. Because apparently, they had spent so much time at this motel that two of the men, Andy and Tommy Coco Relais, had left a forwarding address in case they received any mail. <laughs> Damn! That is one of the stupidest things I've ever fucking heard of in my entire life. Detective Wilkos gave his Area 5 friend this information and officers were sent to the Coco Relais home where they found Tommy, who at this time just so happened to not be living with Robin Gecht. And when Tommy gave them inconsistent answers and a very nervous attitude, he was taken downtown for questioning. And police knew that this was great for their case, but they had no idea that it was the biggest break they would ever receive. And when they got Tommy alone in the interrogation room, they began to learn the full, ungodly, and horrifying truth of what the Chicago Rippers had been up to. What horrifying secrets were Robin's followers hiding? Will the evil hypnotist be able to escape the custody a second time? And will one motel in Via Park pop up without a batshit crazy name? To find out the answers to these questions, you'll have to tune in next time on Detective Hypnotist. <laughs> Tuesdays on USA. USA, remember we made burn notice? That shit was tight. <laughs> So much. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what that show's about. I've I watched a either. handful of episodes. I have no idea. It's about a guy who used to be in the CIA and then he got let go of the CIA and he wants to figure out why and get back in the CIA. And along the way, every week, he winds up helping a random stranger because he has all these sweet CIA skills. So, what you're saying is it's a show about a law enforcement agent, <laughs> but wait. There's a twist. <laughs> yes. Accurate. I feel like we can do this about every USA show. Are you Googling it right now? Yep. Oh, my God. Remember back in the day when we did this about A&E? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. So uh, just in case you guys were wondering, I uh, we took a little break for a second, and I wanted to read some of these to you just to kind of prove my point. Uh, so here are a list of a couple of shows from the network USA. The <laughs> first one is called The Sinner. Detec oh, The Sinner was good. Detective Harry Ambrose delves into the past of a troubled woman to determine why she stabbed a man to death and has no memory of committing the crime. <laughs> it's a law enforcement agent. But wait, there's a twist. Then you have The Shooter, which is a show that follows Bobby Lee Swagger, a highly decorated veteran who is coaxed back into action to prevent a plot to kill the president. <laughs> so what you're saying is he's a law enforcement agent, but there's a twist. Don't you dare disparage the good name of Bobby Lee Swagger. <laughs> Isn't that the name of my deodorant? <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Graceland. Uh, somewhere in Southern California, in a drug raid run by the U.S. government, a beachfront property was seized and turned into a residence for undercover cops. They are all top agents of the DEA, FBI, and Customs, and they're living in this house, officially known as Graceland. What the fuck? Is this like FBI real world? Yeah, what? what? Is this they're law enforcement agents, but, but it's, it's, a twist. it's the biggest twist of all. <laughs> they're living in a house. Then there's Briar Patch, an investigator returns home to solve the death of her sister from a car bombing. What the fuck? <laughs> I Jesus. just imagine that the Graceland one is just like, no, but then I was like, I saw that murder. <laughs> I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to seize 1,000 kilos of cocaine. And that's 
<laughs> I'm not here for a good time. I'm here for 25 to life. <laughs> You also got covert affairs. Annie Walker must adapt to the changing life to the challenging life of a CIA operative under the guidance of her handler Augie. But she soon realizes her recruit might have to do that her recruit might have to do with her last boyfriend rather than her talent. What the f- that's fucked up. That's Damn. sexism, dog. That's kind of I didn't read the full thing of that. I'm sorry. That shit's fucked up. They're all they're all just shows about how there's law enforcement, but wait. It's There's a twist. a twist. All right, really quick before we go, I want you all to just fucking instinct it and come up with the best show, and we'll vote on it and pick which one is the best USA show. Uh, so here's the rules of the game. Really quick, first instinct. You're supposed to come up with a type of law enforcement agency and what the twist is. So I have already pitched this okay. to my coworkers at my day job okay it's called dr nanny starring jason (laughs) i want it in which he is an undercover agent gotcha posing as a doctor slash scientist okay with a terrorist trying to develop a biological weapon and he realizes that if he wants to get close to the terrorists he's got to get close to the terrorist inner circle and what does that mean his kids so he misses doubt fires himself as their nanny dr nanny don't tell mom the babysitter's a fed (laughs) (laughs) that's fucking phenomenal hire me viacom why is it so good usa (laughs) jason statham's welcome yeah my okay so here's the thing my idea was gonna be called pega cop which is (laughs) (laughs) it's a pegasus cop Okay, that was not what I was yeah. thinking it was going to be, but okay. And then I realized what that sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> He's a law enforcement agent, but there's a twist and a shove, but also a twist. <laughs> but Okay, so this is a Pegasus cop. Does that mean the cop is a horse? Is it one of the horses that the cops ride that happens to have wings and solves crime? Yeah, it's a magical cop horse. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's a law enforcement agent, but there's a twist. But he still wears the hat for some reason, but there's a hope for the horn. Wait, a horn would make it a unicorn. Yeah, it's a Pegasus. God. No, wait. Pegasus, Pe- Pegasus aren't unicorns. They're two different things. No, they can have both. <laughs> In this case, they do. <laughs> a Pegasus is a winged horse. A Pegasus horse. is a winged horse. Okay. And yeah. a unicorn has a horn. But the but a Pegacorn the ta- is a, the ta- pe- a Pegacorn, you're right. The tagline is just going to be, let's wing it. <laughs> oh my god! flying cop horse. <laughs> great, great. I love it. What's your pitch? Top that. Cop like a man. Cop like a man. Cock like a horse. Pega cop. Why All does right. it have Antonio Banderas's voice? Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. Thank you. Okay, so my mine is not as good now that I think about it, and I had the most time. Uh, my idea is of a um, of uh, a middle aged Latina woman. Great, I love it already. Who finds out? That one of her nephews is a big time drug dealer. Love it. But 
she doesn't know which nephew it is and she belongs to a Mexican family. (laughs) So there are 126 (laughs) possible suspects. And I call it Tia Dia because they say Dia dia in Spanish, D-E-A. Dia Dia. Ah, because D D A like she's yeah. a drug officer. Okay, okay. Yeah, the played idea. by. Uh, I was thinking Rosie Perez. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm voting for Pega Cop. I'm really sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Pega Cop is awesome. I still believe in Doctor Nanny. I I still I think, think it's I love Doctor Nanny. This is fantastic. <laughs> I want to see this film get made. <laughs> I made a fake poster for it. I'll send it to Call you. Call Jason Statham. <laughs> We're giving you seven seven seasons in a movie. <laughs> Welcome to USA. Oh, thank you. I forget what their new slogan is. It's not characters welcome anymore. It's not? Oh. What well, is it? Then I don't want to be there. <laughs> I think it's called uh, USA Cops. So apparently USA Network's new slogan is, We the Bold. Oh, boo. Yeah, characters welcome was way better. What? True. Anyway, uh, so and that again, that is the end of our episode. And we'll pick this up uh, next time on Detective Hypnotist coming <laughs> to Tuesday. It's at USA. We the bold. Ugh, it hurts to say. It does. Characters welcome. Thank you. Uh, and hey, if you enjoyed this episode, which I hope you did. Peg a cop. <laughs> <laughs> With, With their consent. consent. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, if you like this episode, it is brought to you by our Patreon donors. Yes, our first donor is Jenny Benavento, Juggalo Anthropologist. Oh my god, yes! What? Is that a real job? Are you serious? Please add us. I hereby Dr. Nedden. (laughs) Oh my god, It says here that a juggalo anthropologist is a normal anthropologist that drank at least two gallons of Fago a week while in college. (laughs) Whoop whoop. Yeah, terrible for your kidneys, but great for educational purposes. Who needs a gallbladder, am I right? (laughs) The gall of this bladder. Sounds like you've got a terrible case of hatchet lung. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been vaping at the gathering? (laughs) Have you been listening to too much Blaze Ya Ted, homie? I've been vaping a flavor that I like to call PCP and Fago. (laughs) Straight up, though, I want... You know how I make it? I put PCP and Fago into my vape. I'm so much of a juggalo if you go down on me. It's called Poon Mist. (laughs) Because they have a soda called Moon Mist. Oh, I get it. Fago Poon Mist. I just, I really want to see an anthropologist, like a like a David Attenborough voiceover for the Gathering of the Juggalos, where an anthropologist explains all their rituals. This one makes a microphone disappear. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Where? We'd rather not know. Notice that they adjourn over to the drug bridge. Later this evening, they'll be crunked off their asses <laughs> all right are we ready so our next donor is lucinderella hell yeah Aww. which is fucking awesome oh my god definitely don't leave your shoes in front of a remax there are no princes there <laughs> a lucinderella sounds like a mix between lucifer and cinderella that i hope that's what she's going for oh me too that's fantastic <laughs> you can't find heels for cloven hooves <laughs> <laughs> I just stuck a, a twig onto the back of my foot. I need stilettos. Girl, you look so good. It's a synth. Ooh, that's cute. Yeah, that's cute. Okay. Oh, okay. So this one 
is uh, this this episode is also brought to you by Ashley, the goddess of the Gladstone gang. Ooh. Gang, gang, Ashley, gang, gang. So this one I actually did some research on, and it turns out that the, what is it? Ashley, the goddess of the Gladstone gang. Okay. It turns out that the Gladstone gang is a division of the Crips, and uh, they That's are not... some of the most violent people on Where'd Earth. Where'd you hear that, Takashi 6 9 Because <laughs> he's Damn. snitching on everybody. I actually heard, though, that uh, Ashley, and I'm, I'm sorry if this blows her cover, but she's actually an undercover agent, law enforcement, with a twist. <laughs> Gladstone gang on USA. Don't, don't embrace the bold, or whatever that <laughs> shit was. No, embrace the bold is uh, definitely a Dorito slogan. <laughs> Live moss. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes, we have a Patreon. These are our Patreon donors. We thank you so much, all of you that were in this episode, and all of those who were not named in this episode. We love you so very, very much. Hey, you guys are the reason that these episodes sound better. Yeah. We got these new equipment. Uh, We were able to get more merch. We're able to become more professional, and it's all really, really fun, and I love it so much. Yeah, and we appreciate you guys, and thank you for helping us out with this stuff. Of course. Thank you for your donations. (laughs) (laughs) God. The gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) Oh man! If you if you Thomas Joe, you love it so much. Love it. If you want to donate to this podcast and help us make episodes just like this one, then you can go to Patreon.com/slash/ColtPodcast, where you can see all of our tiers and rewards. At every level, you will get a shout out on the main feed show and access to the speculation zone. <laughs> It is our show where we cover uh, things that are cult adjacent, and we'd love to do a bunch of new shit. Um, like, you know, I mentioned a space uh, or space mystery science theater 3000 viewing of uh, some happy science anime. I'm so on board for this. So, yeah, you can go on there and check out all our tiers, all our rewards. It's a lot of fun, and uh, we can't wait to have you in our cult. So, my favorite thing is all the stories of people getting the packages that say cult all over it. (laughs) makes me so happy the tape was the best idea. And people just being like, are you okay? (laughs) Yeah, Um, if something weird happened to you when they delivered your package or someone said some shit to you, please let us know in the Facebook group. It's really fun in there, and... uh, if you're joined, if you've joined our call, I'm sure you're already in it. Yeah, but. of course. Go to the Facebook group, even if you haven't. If you need help finding it, there are links on our website, which is cultpodcastshow.com. All the way down at the bottom, you can find a button that says Facebook group. You can click it and join. Super fun time. It's a great community, and I love everyone that's there. Yeah, you guys make me so happy because, like, no matter what's happening, someone's posting an adorable meme about alligators or cheese, and it just <laughs> or, really brightens or my day. fantastic photoshops of Antonio Oh, it's so oh my good. God. It's so good. <laughs> so great. Hey, uh, if you guys want to make me a poster for a Pegacop, and I want it <laughs> so bad. I want it so bad. If you want, if you guys want to help us out with that, or uh, if you want to write any Pegacop fan fiction, oh my oh god, my god, yes. then yes, 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 I want some Pegacop comics, please. Yes, please send it to uh, <laughs> at Mondo Does Stuff, which is M A N D O Does Stuff on Instagram and Twitter. The fan fiction would be called Pegatop. <laughs> 
You know what I was thinking? <laughs> it doesn't that make sense now that I think about it. He's still a horse, which means that he's still going to be constantly shitting everywhere. <laughs> so there's two options. You just let the shit fly. And like it's a just, bird. It's just, you're just getting d- d- fucking moon cakes just Well, he's a magical you. cop, so it's like unicorn. Like, it's kind of like I will, Skittles I would or like, cake. Like, there's probably more ants as a problem than the smell. I would like to direct you to one of the biggest resources from my childhood, a little book called Everybody Poops. Okay. <laughs> Secondly, the other solution is that there's a tiny cop elf that follows him around is just on shit duty. Also, I don't know if, if every... Does every city have horse cops? No, I don't think so. Wonky did, and it was weird. We, have, LA... them, we have them here. They yeah, are here. Like the Grove, though. They, they have them at, in surprisingly weird places. I was at a Starbucks on the corner of La Brea and Sunset, and uh, outside was a horse, uh, or <laughs> it, I was going to say a horse on a cop. Uh, that is Pega <laughs> Cop. It's a Pega Cop. <laughs> I saw a uh, cop on a horse, and the horse took the fattest shit I have ever seen in my entire life. Probably not from a horse, but I don't watch a lot of horses shit. And one of the things is I saw a cop yelling at somebody for doing something illegal and then have to wait until that person walked away and then reach in and get a bag and a sweeper duster and pick up his own horse's shit. That's adorable. It's hard for me to respect you as the law when you are literally picking up horse shit. I did ask uh, a horse cop once in Milwaukee. I was like, why horses? You like, like, what's nay? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I was talking to the horse. He Whoops. just counted to four. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so you can send that to at Mondo Dust Stuff on Instagram and Twitter, or you can send, uh, you can go to my website, which is MondoDustStuff.com for all of my show dates. Thank you. I love you so much. You know what? I'm, I'm just going to say, if you want to send me, any type of Pegasus, a Pega cop, a Pega nurse, a Pega anything, <laughs> any type of Pegasus. If you want to send me uh, photos or like your cool theories about the new Galarian Ponyta Pokemon fans, what's up? Hit me up. Uh, I don't I know love these you. words. I love you so much. I love beautiful horses. Okay. Get them at me on all the things yeah. at Sundress Comic or check out my art. On Instagram at Andrea Gazetta and check out, you know, I got some horse Pegasus things up on there. You could check it out. It's cool. Okay, guys, here's what I here's what I want you to do. I want you to tweet at Jason Statham <laughs> to do Doctor Nanny. Yes, yes, and you can yes. tell me about it on Twitter at Paige Wesley or on Instagram at Rampage Wesley. Yes, yes. Make Doctor Nanny a reality. And hey, if you like our show, you can follow us online on Instagram at Cult Podcast. Or on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. You can also send us an email to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us real stuff like a life-size cardboard cutout of Jason Statham dressed as both a doctor and a nanny. <gasps> yes. You could send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining. Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. Uh, and just so everyone knows, this week, uh, our very own Paige, Pageson Wesleyford. <laughs> That's not her name That's for her sure. real name. I'm sorry to <laughs> put you on blast like that. Excuse but. you. It's Paige Robert Wesley Pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. The third. <laughs> the third. Uh, Pageson Wesley is uh getting married we're so very very excited legal documents (laughs) (laughs) 
I had to stand in line at the LA Superior Court. I got married, which means I wore a really nice dress and told the government, I fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And now we get to have better health insurance. Yes. Yeah. Paige is getting married, which is um, a blessing. And we love her so much. And we're so excited to be there. But one of the downsides of this is that she's getting fucking married and she's going on honeymoon. I guess downside for the show. For y'all, I'm going to be like. Yo, there's five different kinds of cake at this wedding, and I have a rock shower. Y'all handle oh, yourself. Oh, shit. That's super dope. Also, we got you a dope-ass honeymoon. You're going to be riding Pegasuses in, <laughs> in Texas. Pega cops, so you can be safe. Thank you. <laughs> to protect and swerve. <laughs> protect and swerve. Oh, my yeah. God. So, uh, in lieu of continuing our series next week, we will be dropping an episode that is um, basically a fire madness type episode. Yay! Yeah, and it's it's just going to be for one week, just so that that way, um, you know, we can give Paige a well deserved week off. I don't think we've ever really taken a week to not do it. Even the fire madness one, it came out like a couple Wh- days later, like way back in the day. I think the week that we got sued. <laughs> Yeah, that oh, but that was yeah. over a year yeah. ago. <laughs> Again, uh, we will be back to it the following week. We just we need one week so that Paige can really actually enjoy matrimony and bliss. Yeah. So we thank you all for uh, dealing with us, and uh, we, we hope you. that it doesn't affect you too badly. And if yeah. it does, just uh, print out. I can't out... hear you over this cake. <laughs> <laughs> if it does bother you, just uh, print out our faces. Those are available online. And uh, post them on a, I don't know, on a wall and just yell at us. That sounds incredibly creepy, but if you're mad at us, do that. If you're mad at us, in the interim, write some fan fiction for Dr. Nanny and we will read a lot <laughs> on the yes. next time. We'll Definitely. read any, any fan fiction <laughs> of any of the shows that we have pitched and forgotten about immediately (laughs) please send them to us yes so i just wanted to make that clear and uh also if you want any more information on the show or you want to find uh older episodes while you're waiting for the new one you can go to cultpodcastshow.com yay and i think for this one i'm gonna say don't drink pegasus poop from the sky (laughs) i know it's a very roundabout one why is it so runny well i mean he's on the move a lot he drinks nothing but coffee because he's a cop (laughs) like i don't know if you know this about policemen but it's just like coffee and sandwiches it's coffee and donuts and the the poop is oh my god sprinkly half clop half plop (laughs) all cop (laughs) pega cop Tuesdays on USA, right after Detective <laughs> Hypnotist. Please send us, oh, please send us your best cop pitches yes, for USA yeah, yeah, Today. Yeah. Uh, any yes. of those phrases that end in all cop, I'm here for it. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it. Uh, and don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.